Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, guys. I hope all of you guys are well. All of you guys are doing amazing on this beautiful evening. We are creating the conversation podcast. This is Imran Mohammed, your host, and of course, my main main man, Mr. Ivan Humble. Ivan, my man, today we are honored to have a great man, all right, an individual who has truly changed the whole scene in Britain. But of course, we're talking about internationally as well. He's a Muslim scholar, he's a sheikh, he's an alim, he's a learned individual in the tradition. But as well as that, he's a person who talks about the enhanced values of humanity, which I think is a very, very powerful aspect of this particular individual, especially how it links to my man Ivan. So none other than Sheikh Manwar Ali Saab. Welcome today. And thank you, we're thank honored you to have you, sir. Yeah, thank you very much for that glorious uh, kind of introduction and uh, thank you for having me on your program. No, you're welcome, Sidi, and we are, we are honoured to have you. In fact, our ethos, our value as me and you education is based upon a lot of what you talk about, what you discuss, what your journey is. Ivan, my man, you know, when he talks about what his views and ideas are of where he's been and yes. how he got to where he got to, there's a very significant essential important part of you in that i want to start and i want to take you back just to share with our audience where did you come from and a little bit about your early age being in bangladesh and then okay. moving to england if i may start the conversation like that so i was born in bangladesh as you know um <laughs> but after about a period of time the war of independence happened which resulted in the creation of bangladesh in 71 in 1971, yes. Yeah. A lot of politics uh, came across my path because my father was very involved in, in, the, in the politics of creating Pakistan to start with during the British colonial days. And then thereafter, he kind of chose the side that opposed the creation of Bangladesh because he thought from his Islamic background, it was far too nationalistic and it kind of was beholden to India. So that kind of politics. So I became affected. The 1965 war I witnessed, um, watching from the veranda of my flat, the dogfights and stuff like that. But uh, in 71, massacre, breakdown, crackdown, what have you. So my background is that I grew up in, in turmoil. <laughs> and then I came to this country in 75. I asked you to start with that because um, the, your, as you work with individuals today, yes, uh, people who have gone down a certain pathway, or gone yes. to a particular lifestyle. Yes. And what we find is that when we look into their lives, we find the same turmoil, the same difficulties. Or some trauma, yeah. Or some, some trauma, yeah. the underlying, yeah. Yeah. Right, which tends to push them or become the sense of vulnerability, one of those vulnerability which re, you know, gets them into a place where they become a victim. And that is the point, that we have certain experiences in life which expose us to you know, bad things, let's say, and it, it, it has an effect on our hearts or minds, especially if we, if we are young and impressionable. And I see that also amongst non-Muslims are the few so-called far-right people I've seen. I keep on saying so-called because ultimately people have reasons for yes. turning to this or that ideology or take this or that position. So whatever the drivers and the motivational factors or the vulnerabilities, uh, ultimately, we seek to redress, you know, somehow cope with them. Now, being Islamic, being from a political background, that's how I grew up. I come to this country and I hear about the Palestinian problem because mm -hmm. Israel had invaded Lebanon. 
1975. So I want to go off and fight because Islam is good. And that's the point I'm trying to bring in, that we have ideologies built with or without religion, and we have our own personal problems or idiosyncrasies. And, and if I may, if I may hold you there, because on the basis of the personal problems that we have, I know Ivan, he himself as well, when he talks about his story, is very similar. Yeah. Ivan, when you talk about why, how you got into uh, the organisation of EDL, could you share a little bit? I don't think there's any one specific thing. So, like mental health, being a single dad, benefit, um, living in a I was going to say majority white town. That's not really a problem, but it sheltered me from meeting the other. And to be fair, I say it all the time, and you know I do, but Ajahn Chaji was my problem. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He was a Muslim guy that I saw on the news after the protests with our troops. So coming from my background, it was easy to think to myself that, hang on, if he's on the news, he must speak for the, the whole of the Muslim community in the UK. And, and that, that is exactly what... And of course, I'll become knowledgeable on his interpretation of Islam. And I want to establish this because, and that's why, you know, I'm requesting the Sheikh to uh, share this with us. Because we have a tendency as a community to see an individual through their act or crime or horrific behaviour. And we do this a lot. I, I work with um, a group of individuals within my nature of my work where they become stigmatized because of what the newspapers have said about them. But I get to see the human. I get to see the father. I get to see the son. I get to see the boyfriend. I get to see, you know, uh, the, the vulnerable person. I get to see the abused child. I get to see the person who's got mental health problems. But when we look into people's lives, just like both of your lives, what you find is there were genuine vulnerabilities there. So, Sheikh, as we have established that you traveled and you came from Bangladesh, or you still you were you were in an environment where where there was genuine turmoil, there was genuine issue around partition. So that's the world that you are from. What happens to you then? Ultimately, um, what happened in my case is, of course, I had to seek guidance to become a better Muslim. Now, in my nature, I was always devotional. So at the age of eleven, without understanding a word of the Quran, for example. I would try and read the entire Mus'haf, the book, in one week. It's a very religious person. And that's where the trouble started. I wanted to be religiously correct and better or more sound. And I came across ideology. So whatever my vulnerabilities and the catalysts in, in my life to drive me that way, ultimately religion played a fundamental role. And all I found was support for certain traditional teachings polluted or tarnished by political Islam. And that's exactly, I think, what Ivan is also touching on, where the, the Islam that he came across, that became the narrative or the lens that he saw uh, others with this skin or brown skin or religious uh, you know, conviction. Now, I want to know your transition from that country where this partition was taking place and, of course, your father being on the opposite, opposite side and then coming to this country and how did you feel coming into a country where the culture, where the colour of people, where the traditional people were different to yourself? Coming yeah, from, from schools, colleges of other professionals, I had full support. But of course, in the streets, when I first came and I lived in Plasto and we had the National Front, I had a lot of bad experiences like gang fights 
you know, with knives and things in a direct one-to-one -one fist fights in East London, Whitechapel. I was beaten up by seven skinheads at Liverpool Street. Oh, and incidentally, that's when I, after that, I started carrying a knife, which I don't carry on me anymore. <laughs> but I, because I got beaten up, it's self-protection. Mm -hmm. So when somebody says self-protection. I know it's foolish. It, it can lend a lead to tragedies. But I went through this. How, why should I be so harsh now and be so un understanding? But with love and compassion, with kind of accommodation of grievances, with some kind of discussion, perhaps we can make sense prevail. So I want to bring this to you two. Both of you have had an impact on each other. So I want to know when both of you met. If I remember rightly, I think Mamma was already speaking to one of my Ipswich Division members called Shane. Kind of heard who I was already. So that made things a bit easier. But then I remember going over, it was just after you bought the church, I think, and we heard it was going to be a super mosque. So I went over to challenge him, not expecting Manoir to say, I've got a council meeting in a couple of weeks' time. You and some of your EDL lads can come to that meeting. So the initial interaction between yourselves was you went to the mosque, you saw the mosque as this super complex of people coming in. Sheikh, what was your reaction? So... I wanted to meet the EDL because I was already sympathetic, saying, well, they might be carrying things a bit too far, but they're not all dismissible. I mean, they're not saying things just for the sake of just saying things bad and riling people up. They have observations which are unmet and they can't get satisfactory discussions. So I said, I'm willing to engage in that. And they'll be surprised just how much I actually agree with them, except I don't wave the British flag with them. It kind of opened my eyes, removed some of my fears or inhibitions. They do have people amongst them who are not all football thugs and drunkards, you know. There are people who can reason. At that time, it was very revolutionary. It was like, it's very daring, yeah. right? So what you, in your world, from your experience, that was very, you invited these people, individuals, because you were open now for conversation. And Sheikh, sadly, the rest of the world wasn't and still aren't, sadly. You know what I mean? Because I mean, think about it. You guys turned up, seven yeah. of you lads, into a majority Muslim environment, being invited by, of course, you know, the host himself. How was it for you? Okay, you had your samosas and kebabs and all that. That's cool. To, to be fair, I just think back to that day. It was kind of a little bit intimidating for us because yeah. their perception of us, we probably had the same perception of them. It broke down so many barriers. Yeah, thank you, Ivan. I think what's important is that for us to understand at the end of the day, do we want to get on and have a different way of life, which is more accommodating of differences and actually relieves the tension a bit? Because it takes time to remove uh, suspicions built over whatever we have perceived on the media to each other and the name calling, the mockery. It goes on on all sides. So you have to overcome that. And some of this part of banter. So it is not a problem. So our one community and conversations were always open to. We did four or five per year. So it's about 30 of those, which is you know, come and express yourself. If you want to swear, have a shout, you know, it's fine because you just want to express yourself. So it's part of banter. You want to call me, if you want to use the P word against me, I wouldn't take offence because I'm mentally prepared that the person might be disposed that way, but we are trying to break down barriers and overcome that to have a conversation, at least ease the tension. So both sides were prepared, I think, to put up with each other's bad behaviour, let's say. Then you guys went out and did something which brought a lot of stress, especially upon you. And I want you both of you to talk about how that came into existence. <laughs> I think it was because after Lee Rigby was killed, I think it was probably the day after, Manuel and Khalil both rang me up at different times to explain things to me a bit better than the, the, the impression I have, if you know what I mean. 
which was the hate. And because of that, I said to Manuel, we're thinking about doing a silent march in Ipswich. So Ivan rang me up and I, I and I said, yes, of course, you know, without any hesitation. Right. Then I rang a whole lot of people up, quite a lot of people who I thought would be more responsive and they weren't. But in the end, of course, we managed because I said, even if I'm going on my own, I told my wife, we are going on our own if nobody comes because you can't lose what little traction you have by doing something so out on a limb. Yeah, because I've been speaking to Manuel for quite a while up until then, I understood the, the positive that could come out of that, yes. of seeing two opposing sides coming together. And when Manuel agreed to it, I was blown away, do you know what I mean? But on the day, the day was awesome. I can't say enough about that day. It was a bit nerve-wracking. I remember it was getting near 11 o'clock the start time and it was just us like but then we see this little muslim girl come around the corner with this with this big box of roses oh, wow. manuel's little daughter nearly de-radicalized all of us that day she was just the yeah, cutest mama. little girl do you know what i mean manuel come around the corner with his family and some other members of the muslim community it was probably one of my proudest moments because to do like that together was different back then do you know what i mean yeah, it was good. It was peaceful. People were even clapping us as we went through the marketplace. Yeah, it was just a great day. So now you were coming from the other side. Before that, where was your head? What were you my head was fully prepared. I was fully primed. I, I would have perhaps even asked for an independent kind of demonstration or protest march or what, whatever you want to call it, appropriate, by myself, you know, get my colleagues together with or without the EDL. But the idea was, look, we can get over the divides, the racism or whatever, the anti-Islam or anti-whatever we used to imagine about the EDL. Because something binds us. We are British. We, we are part of this country and we want to live together. And we are both sides. All of us are mortified by that way that Lee Rigby was murdered. And on top of that, in the name of Islam, in such a cruel, violent way. But on that day, we had Libyans, we had Kurdish, we had Bengali youth, you know, we're carrying the Union Jack. And, you know, of course, my daughter and us and all that. And so there were 17, 18 of us. It was such a good experience. And the UAF turned up, United Against Fascists. <laughs> no, bless them. God bless them. I mean, they are oh. there for a purpose. They are trying to defend and protect and protest against the fascists and so on. But why do we have to be always like this? You know, we are the UAF, you are the EDL, this is the BNP, and these are the Muslims. I mean, we are one people. We're different religions and we have grievances and misunderstanding. I mean, I will never convince Ivan about some things. He will never convince me about some things, but we have more than enough to get on together, get on well together and serve our country and people and then meet our Lord or not. What you are saying is what the Quran is saying, that we made, you from, we made you from a single man, we made you a single woman, we made you into nations. Uh, so yeah. that you recognize it, but arafu for to recognize yeah. yeah, and it's not about hurting, harming. It's not about belittling. It's not about bullying. That's what our tradition stands on. But I want to come to this uh, point of discussion at the moment because there's one thing which hit me really, really, really deeply, and it's what my man Ivan said. Okay, he sees you as his father. For me, this was like, wow, Ivan. I want you to please share this with us. And then I'm going to ask a few words from the Sheikh to share as well. It's because I think I lost my dad to terminal cancer nine years ago. And uh, I was a bit lost. I still am sometimes, do you know what I mean? But Manuel's been there in the background, um, guiding me, teaching me. And he's the first person I'll call if I need anything, do you know what I mean? Um, we just got that kind of friendship, I think. It's, I call him a father figure, but he's not that much older than me, really. Only a few years, do you know what I mean? But... I think he's been an important part of my life. He's been somebody who's guided me, where perhaps I need that bit of guidance, teaching me to treat people like a human being. I've had lots of issues with lots of different things over the years. Immigration was a big one. Manoir taught me 
different on that, the Syrian refugees in Ipswich. I got to meet some lovely families, not just the families, but the kids that day. Listen to their stories. It gave me a better understanding. So that's what I mean by guidance. And he's educated me on, on life. Some of the things that probably my real dad, if he'd have been here, wouldn't have been able to do. Mamma's been able to teach me about the other, which has been most important in my life, I think. Thank you very much for uh, acknowledging all that, uh, Ivan. It's very generous and kind of you. Ivan hit the nail on the head that I want to be treated as a human being and I would like to see everyone else as a human being. And whether people are intelligent and also gifted in the intellect, uh, because uh, we, we all can connect at the level of conscience and natural instinct. I actually went and met Tommy Robinson. And it was a very nice meeting as well. That meeting was about three, four hours. But in the end, some people have other factors in life which misleads them or takes them away and you drift. But that, that's what it is. You know, human treat others as human beings because I'm a human being. Gentlemen, I want to leave with you to say a few words from your perspective. Final words of reflection and thought, hopefully. I think the only thing I'm going to leave us with is if anything about my memoir story, it's what we in our many workshops. We can have differences, but it's about how you respect them differences. And I think that's that's the ultimate thing between our relationship is is respect. Do you know what I mean? We need to rediscover the word respect and bring it back to life again properly. So I will complement that by saying humility. So respect and have self-humility, because part of respect is to have the humbleness to realize others are not perhaps thick because we do connect at that conscience and instinct level so it doesn't matter who you are engage in dialogue try to speak yeah thank you sheikh i want to say from the depth of my heart thank you very very much ivan my man god bless you my man you look after yourself and and everybody else that's watching at this moment in time take care of yourself thank you very much you've been listening to myself imran ivan and our big man sheikh Manwa Ali, thank you very much, guys. We're signing out till next time. Goodbye and good night.